All right, here we go. The first thing I want to say today is a question for you. How many of you had a happy, happy week? Uh, well, there's quite a few. The second thing I want to say is a question for me. What kind of question is that? A happy, happy week. I don't know. Can you stay happy all week long? You know, happiness has a lot to do with what happens. What happens to you can make you feel happy or maybe you don't have any happiness. But today I want to talk to you about something that's far more important than that. So I hope you had a happy week this last week. I caught a bug of it in the beginning of the week and it's just about gone, but it kind of laid me low. So I wasn't happy, but there's something more important than happiness. Because happiness has a lot to do with what happens. But joy runs far deeper than that. Today, I want to talk to you about the joy of the Lord. Are you rejoicing in the Lord? That's the question I have for you. Uh, you know, at Christmas time, we get out certain dishes. And here's one that I like this cup. Peace and joy. There's a lot of things we talk about at Christmas time. And we get out all the decorations. We fill our coffee mugs that say peace and joy. Uh, but my question is, is joy just something you pour your coffee into? Or is there still joy in your house when the Christmas dishes get put away? Joy should be something far deeper in your soul. The uh, front of your program, I don't have one uh, with me, so get it out and read that verse that's right there on it. Someone read it out real loud. Who am I going to call on? Susan Harrison, read that verse out loud. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. Amen. Bring joy to your servant. Now, I don't know if you've been happy this week or not, but you can have joy because joy is based on something else and it runs far deeper than just the circumstantial uh, happenings. Years ago, we took kids to a gold mine that's out in Julian. Maybe you've visited the Julian gold mine before. I think it's called the Eagle Mine. They have a couple of them, actually. Now, before we went down into the tunnels, down into the mine, I had a couple of questions. The first one was, what if an earthquake happens? Are we going to be buried down there? And the old guy said, look, this mine has been here for over 100 years. It's been through a lot of earthquakes. It's far safer than being in your house. And then I wondered, 
you know, well, what's the temperature down there? This was in the summertime. It was about 100 degrees on the outside. He said, oh, it's very nice down there. It's like, I think he said 68, something like that. You're going to be very comfortable down there. And I thought, wow, there's a 30 degree differential from like 98 to 68. What happens if you come in the winter and it's like freezing outside? How cold is it down there? And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. It's always 68 down there. It doesn't matter what's happening on the surface. It's always comfortable down in the mind. That's the kind of joy I'm talking about. Whatever it is that's going on on the outside, joy is, a, is a, an ore that runs deep in the heart of God's servant. Bring joy to your servant, O Lord, for I put my trust in you. So today we're talking about rejoice in the Lord. And um, actually, there's a particular letter in the Bible, one of the epistles of Paul, that has often been called the epistle of joy. Do you know which one that is? It's the book of Philippians. And I thought what we would do this week as we continue in our series of <clears throat> thinking about those things that we hear a lot about at Christmas time. Peace, joy, love. But when all the Christmas cards are put away, when all the Christmas dishes are back in the top shelf of the cupboard, what remains in our homes? What remains in our hearts? And um, so today, as we look at joy, I want to encourage you this whole week to read through the book of Philippians. It's in your Bible. It's on, uh, if you use a church Bible, it's on page 1,822. In fact, uh, why don't you grab the church Bible because there's an introduction to Philippians that I thought would be helpful <clears throat> as we, we're going to dip into each one of the four chapters in this book. Because um, as, we, as we look at the kind of joy that Paul experienced and encouraged us with, it's something far deeper than his circumstances. Because what was happening to him wouldn't allow for much happiness. But the servant of the Lord, even in a prison cell, can have the deep gold of joy. The letter to the Philippians, I'm reading the opening introduction, was written by Paul while he was in prison in Rome about A.D. 60. Now the church in Philippi had sent Epaphroditus to Paul with a gift. Paul had founded, the, I'm talking now, Paul had founded the church in Philippi and uh, there was some persecution going on. Later he left the town, but the church grew. When they found out Paul was in prison, they sent a gift to encourage him through the hands of one of their members, Epaphroditus. While Epaphroditus was in Rome, I'm reading now the introduction, he became sick, actually deathly sick. And the Philippian Christians were worried about him. So, you know, these things happen, don't they? After he was better, Paul sent him back to Philippi with this letter. 
So after receiving a gift from his old friends at the Philippian church, Paul just had to respond to them because they were so upset about his circumstances and also about their member, Epaphroditus, who had brought their uh, donation to him. Paul reveals his love for the Philippians throughout this letter, the most personal one of all of his letters written to a church. Paul thanks the Philippians for their love and helpfulness. And even though Paul was writing from prison, this letter is full of, say the word with me, joy. Now that's what we're talking about today. You can have joy in spite of what's happening. The words joy or rejoice are used 13 times in this short letter. Paul gives his own testimony to the meaning of his present life when he writes, for me to live is Christ and to die it's gain. He didn't know what would be the result of his uh, confinement there in the prison in Rome. He would be facing the emperor and all the emperor would have to do was snap a finger and his head would be chopped off. That would be the end of him. Or he could say you're free. Wow. It matters a lot what happens, doesn't it? But Paul is saying you can have joy regardless. So let's do this. Let's dip into each chapter. So first of all, chapter 1. And for each one, we'll just make a note that in spite of this, even when this happens, you still can have joy. Let me read, uh, starting with verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? With joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, there's something, uh, uh, deep confidence that leads to joy. I just know that God has a plan for you. And he's working it out. Even when the circumstances don't feel happy, we can still have joy in our hearts. Now, uh, jump down to verse 12. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, he's in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. Well, we thought if you put a missionary in prison, it would slow down the spread of the gospel. But Paul says in verse 13, as a result of me being in prison, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Hey, what did this guy do wrong? Did he break some law? Is he some scoundrel? No. He's in prison because... He's talking about a man who died on the cross and rose from the dead. That's it. So people are starting to ask about this. They want to know about this. And um, verse 14. And because of my chains, 
most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So my imprisonment has actually served to advance the gospel. People are, are becoming more brave because they can see, look, even if they throw you in prison, it's not going to stop God's plan. So in verse 15, he says that not all of these people who are, are, are spreading the good news, not all of them have perfect motives. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. So, okay, maybe some preachers don't have the best motives. But, verse 18, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. You know, there's been a lot of pastors who've disappointed a lot of people. Maybe the person, whether he was a pastor or just someone sharing the good news, maybe the person who first shared the good news to, with you. When you first heard that there really is a God, and he loves this world so much. In fact, he loved you so much that he sent his own son to this world to pay the penalty for your sin so that you could freely have grace and forgiveness through him. That he died on the cross for your sin and rose from the dead. When you first heard that, when you put your faith in Christ, what happens to that faith if later on you find out maybe that pastor had some problems? Maybe the person who was sharing with you was insincere or was in it for the money or whatever. Does that change the good news? So, yes, some people are in it for the wrong reason, but the truth is still the truth. He says... It's true, verse 15, that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill, verse 18. What does that matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Now, I like that present tense and the future tense. I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. It doesn't matter what happens. Joy runs deeper. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, you notice there's a little footnote on the word deliverance because it can mean salvation in the sense that I'm going to be set free and it can be salvation in the sense that I'm going to heaven so either way he says I'm going to win if I get out of prison hooray if I am killed in prison double hooray I'll be in heaven so you see you just can't change his joy first point you can have joy even in places where you don't want to be. Even in places where you don't want to be. And I'm sure you have been in places like that. But God says, I'll still give you joy if you have your faith and hope and trust in me, even in this set of circumstances. Trust me, trust me. So uh, Paul's in prison. 
go to jail, go directly to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200. It's the little monopoly thing. So I don't know what kind of uh, circumstances you're facing these days. But I don't think it could be much worse than this. And Paul says, I rejoice. I will continue to rejoice. You can too. Because joy runs deeper than what's happening to you. Joy is more important than the particular place you're in right now. God has a reason for that. Now let's read on. Let's expand on this. Chapter 2. In chapter 2, by the way, some of the most fabulous uh, teachings on Christ are in the beginning of chapter 2. So this week when you're reading through it, take a chapter a day. Maybe on Tuesday you're reading chapter 2 and you'll read this um, wonderful expression of Christ who in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grabbed onto, but he gave it up for you. It's a fabulous passage. But near the end of chapter 2, verse 25, Paul mentions what happened to Epaphroditus. Remember the guy from Philippi who brought the donation to him and just about died when he got sick? Verse 25, Paul says, I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who's also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. <clears throat> for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. So he got really sick, almost died, but what bothered him the most was he found out that the Philippians found out he got sick. He cares so, too, too much for them. Isn't that interesting? He longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him. And not on him also, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. I mean, that would have really been sad to lose my best friend there. Verse 28, therefore, I am all the more eager to send him back to you so that when you see him, you can be glad and I'll have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great, what? Joy. Hey, it's been a rough, you know, and the plans didn't work out like we thought they were going to. But, you know, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because... Wow, he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves couldn't give. He, you sent him out in his service, just about killed him, but look, he's, he's okay, he's okay. I'm sending him back. You can have joy. You can have joy even when your plans go wrong. Oh, we had such a great plan. Number, this is in chapter two. When your plans go wrong. So... You know, things don't often work out exactly the, what you had planned. But Paul says, there's something bigger than the plan. Happiness isn't just based on what place you're in or how well your plans are working out. You know, maybe he's ready to pop the question, but she's not ready to say, I do. Well, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong in your plans. But the bottom line is, are you trusting God's timing? I read an interesting story the other day from 
Bob and Deborah Davis. They live in Louisiana and were enjoying a two-week vacation in Europe. But they were eager to get back home because their son, his name was Joe, who's in the Army, was uh, coming back from being deployed in the war zone and he would only be in the States for a short time. They thought if they get back from their trip from Europe and if the timing's just right, then they'll be able to spend a, uh, a little bit of time and see their son before he has to go back on duty. So the, the story begins in Munich where the airline ticket lady saying, I'm sorry, there's no more room on this flight. You're gonna have to spend another day in Germany. It's like, why do these things happen? Why do our plans go bad? And even the next day, when they did, Bob and Deborah did show up in the US, uh, they got stuck in the Atlanta airport. They needed to be home in Louisiana, but here they are, bad weather. And, and then they checked in with uh, the daughter at home by email, and she said, you know, Joe's plans are going all haywire also. So it just looked like, all right, this isn't gonna work. And uh, so this is Deborah saying, you know, I'm coming home from a couple weeks vacation. My son's coming home from war. I shouldn't be that upset, you know? All things considered, God is good, even when our plans go wrong. And then Bob said, hey, look at down the hall. They're sitting there in the Atlanta airport, and a bunch of soldiers walk by. He says, yeah, you know, it reminds me that we should be thankful for everything we have. He says, no, look more closely. She looked. There was Joe at the front of the line. He ended up in Atlanta too. Do you believe there's a God who knows your schedule so well and everything else that's going on that even when your plans go wrong, he can still make them even better than what you had planned? Well, if you believe in a God like that, who can pull that kind of thing off? Then if you're stuck somewhere, if the timing's not happening, if you're in a place you don't want to be, or if you have plans that aren't working out, you can believe there's something deeper beneath the surface that's like a treasure that you can hold on to, and that's joy. I hope you have that joy in your heart, that God is working something out in his good timing and in his great way. Chapter three, Paul goes on to bring up another kind of roadblock that sometimes we face when, um, you know, we want life to go like a graph up and to the right, better and better, where your, um, your needs are being met and things are going fine. You think about Paul's life. He had a great education. He had a great upbringing. He was a very intelligent person. He had, his, his career was moving <clears throat> splendidly. And, of course, he was fighting against Christ. But when Christ got a hold of him, then in some ways things went wrong. And in fact, now he's sitting in prison and thinking about how much he's lost. But wait a minute. Look at verse 7 of chapter 3. In the first part of the chapter, he talks about all the advantages he had. But in verse 7, he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. All those things that were so great, you know, I'm looking at them much differently now. Whatever gains, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, 
I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, but I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but what is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, I've not already attained all this. I've not already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. What Paul is saying is, even if all your possessions are worthless, you have something of greater worth. So in chapter 3, we learn you can have joy even when your possessions are worthless. Paul says, I count all of that as like nothing. Not that they aren't important, but there's something that's far greater in importance. And it's just the comparison is like, wow, I would rather have Christ and the joy he gives me than all that other stuff. So, we're happy when we have stuff, but joy comes from Christ. Knowing that your soul is right with God and everything else, really, it doesn't matter because, you know, someday it's all going to be gone anyway. But someday we'll be in heaven forever with him. You can have joy even when your possessions are worthless. It reminds me of um, uh, Shackleton, you know, the polar explorer who took a crew down to the Antarctica and there in their ship, the Endurance, they were going to leave on one side and, and I guess I shouldn't go this way, I should go that way, the South Pole. They were going to cross the Antarctic and, and uh, be picked up on the other side. But their ship got frozen in the ice and eventually was crushed by the ice and sank. They only had a few things left and they realized, Shackleton realized, no one's going to rescue us here. We have to we're going to have to walk to be rescued. And they had all that, all their supplies. In fact, there's this, this time where he takes some gold coins and just throws them in the snow. Says, leave behind all those things that were so precious to you because what matters more than our salvation? We need to be rescued. So here's a little chart, and sometimes it looks like our, maybe our financial worth is going down. Maybe our, uh, that gold that we were counting on has hit the ground. But, you know, what is, what's gold coins worth in Antarctica anywhere? Are you going to buy supplies from a penguin? You know, gold is heavy. It weighs you down. And in a sense, you need to get rid of those things that feel like, oh, my hope, my happiness is in possessions. Well, happiness comes and goes, but joy runs deeper. 
chapter 4, one more insight. Actually, there's plenty more in here, but let me point out one more where Paul says, you know, um, sometimes our happiness is ruined by other people, but joy runs deeper than that. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. He's thinking back to when he was there and he worked with them and ministered with them. In fact, he's heard from news, I think probably from Epaphroditus, that some of the people weren't getting along. So he has to put this verse in there, verse 2. I plead with, there's two names of two women, Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, be of the same mind in the Lord. Evidently, they're arguing and Pickering and complaining, maybe like these two ladies. I don't think that's Euodia and Syntyche, but I just put a picture up there. So, so the point is, even when people let you down, like people complaining and fighting, but Paul says, verse 3, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life, help them get along. You know, Paul had joy even when he heard that people were fighting with each other. So where are you in this equation? Are you bickering and complaining? Or is, is your joy deeper than that? Today, I want you to decide <clears throat> that you can have joy even in a place that you don't want to be. Even when your plans go wrong. Even when your possessions seem like worthless. And when people let you down. Because joy is something God will give you when your soul is right with Christ. Trust him. Trust him. Um, look at verse 4. Let me leave you with this. Rejoice in the Lord always. You can't be happy all week long, but you can rejoice always. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you trusting Christ today for that? If, for your, your salvation, your peace, your joy. Is, is joy just something that you pour your coffee into? Or is it something deep in your heart that is still there even after all the Christmas dishes are put away? In fact, if you remember, you know the scripture says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Now, there wasn't anything happy about the cross, but because he could see the joy on the other side of the cross, he was willing to go through that crucifixion. And that joy was, well, you remember the night before he died, he sat his his friends at a table, and he took a cup, and he said, 
this is my covenant for you. Drink of it, all of you. I am not going to drink from this cup until we're together again. So our salvation comes from him. That's the joy of the Lord. And today, as we wrap, wrap up this time, we're going to pass the cup of blessing which we bless, the scripture says, to remind us that our joy is in heaven with Christ. I hope that's where your joy is today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us all week long. Even when things happen that threw us off, even um, people that disappointed us, even during those times when plans went wrong, even in those times, Lord, where we were disappointed, we just want to pause now and see your greater plan, your deeper joy. And we want to thank you, Lord, that through Christ, we can rejoice in the Lord always. And we thank you that it's because his gift of life to us in Jesus' name, amen. Our ushers are coming to pass the tray down your robe. Take that cup and the bread. Remember, your joy is in Jesus. And ask that Pastor Dan meet you out on the patio and greet you as you leave. I hope you have a happy week. But more than that, I pray that you rejoice in the Lord always. God bless you. <laughs>